0: Hello America and happy Tuesday. Yes, the morning after, the morning after one of the greatest earthquakes in Supreme Court history. Last night, the extraordinary leak of a draft opinion of the Mississippi abortion case, the one known as Hobbs. Somebody in the Supreme Court leaked a Draft of the emerging majority opinion, apparently written by Justice Alito. It has now been confirmed by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts. This is an authentic leak. He called it egregious, a violation of trust, needed to be investigated. It does indeed. And there are two news elements to this, right? The first is that yet another institution has been betrayed by its employees, most likely. We've seen the NSA betrayed. When its secret mechanisms were exposed by Edward Snowden, we've seen the CIA crown jewels or the family jewels, as they were called, leaked by folks. We've seen FISA leaked on Carter Page. We've seen President Trump's own private conversations with world leaders, something that was always Sankt for presidents, leaked leading to impeachment for Democrats, uh, using it as a political game. And now, for the first time, we've seen the emerging private deliberations of a Supreme Court leaked out weeks or months before a final ruling would be there. It is a ground-shifting moment in the trust that justices will see in each other and in their clerks and in their employees. And it's a moment I doubt that the Supreme Court will ever fully recover from. It changes the nature of deliberations and the trust that will go on in the court in the years ahead, no matter what the outcome, no matter who gets caught, no matter what the punishment, whatever. That's the first news. The second news is the ruling, as it was constructed in its draft form back in February, indicates that there is a majority, five justices who now support overturning Roe v. Wade and upholding the Mississippi law. There could be a sixth one. We, we don't know where Chief Justice John Roberts stands as of this moment. He wasn't on the according to Politico, the original opinion. But this publication has two things. The abortion debate in America about to have a profound change. Now, that doesn't mean abortion is being outlawed all across the country. If this ruling does take effect the way it was leaked in the draft form, what it means is that states will be able to decide for themselves what the appropriate measure is for abortion. Maybe it's a ban. States like Alabama have talked about banning it. Arkansas talked about banning it, tried once before. Then there are states like California and New York that will expand it. It will return to a state's rights opportunity, which is what a lot of people in this country have wanted. And I want to point out at this moment, because a lot of people don't remember this, but near the end of her time as a Supreme Court justice, The revered Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes, she was a liberal. A lot of conservatives didn't like her philosophies, but they respected her for her mind, her jurisprudence, her honesty, her willingness to work with her colleagues. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the liberal icon for so many liberal Americans, once said that she believed the Roe v. Wade decision was a heavy-handed judicial intervention that was difficult to justify. Doesn't mean she was against abortion rights. She clearly supported abortion rights. But she did not believe the court had used a lawful mechanism, a constitutional mechanism to get there under the privacy standard. She suggested equal protection. At the end of the day, the fact that even a liberal justice could see that Roe v. Wade was flawed probably will guide the final outcome in the court. But a traumatic leak a traumatic outcome at the Supreme Court, and a dramatic future ruling on the horizon at the Supreme Court, we have a perfect lineup to address that momentous news. Joining us in just a few minutes is the former Solicitor General of the United States who argued many successful cases before the Supreme Court, a former appeals court judge himself, the former Whitewater prosecutor, one of the greatest legal minds in the conservative movement. Judge Kenneth Starr is going to be here in just a few minutes. He's going to give us all of his analysis, what this means for the court, what the ruling is, is it well-founded in this draft form. We're going to tackle all of that. And then we're going to take a quick pivot. going to go to Congress, to Congressman Jeff Van Drew. If that name sounds familiar, he was a lifelong Democrat in New Jersey who flipped parties in 2020, became a Donald Trump supporter. Moved to the Republican Party, has become a prominent voice in the Republican Party. And oh, by the way, after switching parties in his New Jersey district, he handily won re-election. His own constituents endorsed his party change. He has a lot to say. He's been talking about the Secretary Mayorkas and all the shenanigans at the border, like the stuff we covered yesterday on the podcast. He also wrote an extraordinary op-ed in the last few days asking, where are the moderate Democrats? Where did they go? Why are they allowing their party to drift so far leftward that they risk being disconnected from an entire generation of Americans? He also is a big advocate of Republicans coming up with a contract, a pro-policy prescription for America. Lots of fun things to talk about with Congressman Jeff Andrew. We've got a great great show back to back to back. So why waste any more time? Let's take a quick commercial break, hear from our great partners, our sponsors, our advertisers, and then we'll come right back. First up, Judge Kenneth Starr on the extraordinary moments in the Supreme Court last night, followed by Congressman Jeff Andrew, New Jersey, a Democrat who is now a Republican. Two great guests right after the commercial break.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. We have a fantastic guest to talk about. One of the most dramatic stories in Washington, though certainly in the last few years. Joining us right now, the former Solicitor General of the United States, a former appeals court judge, and the former Whitewater prosecutor, one of the great legal minds in all of the country, uh, Kenneth Starr, joining us. I mean, Judge Starr, good to have you on. Hey, John. Thank you. So, uh, an extraordinary leak. Uh, last night, the Chief Justice has now confirmed that this is a document that shouldn't have been leaked. It is an authentic early draft of something. Your first uh, perception when you heard about this last night?
2: Well, twofold. Uh- one, I was desperate to read the opinion, and I have. I've got some comments on the opinion. I have read it. But secondly, uh, the chief justice, uh, in a statement today, described it as egregious. Uh, and and so it is. Obviously, it's a firing uh, offense. It, it should be more than that. It's so egregious. It's so outrageous. And everyone is saying... Uh, that, uh, anyone who's thoughtful and understands the court and its uh, process. And it's truly unprecedented. And we knew, I served as a law clerk for two years for Chief Justice uh, Warren Burger, and we knew that we had really a very sacred trust of confidentiality. We weren't to be warbling about anything with anyone about what was going on in chambers and the court and so forth. And that has been just so respected uh, uh, until the last generation. I mean, we've had tell-all books, right, Right. Uh, from time to time. So it's not as if the leaking of confidential information is unprecedented, but this truly is the leak of an actual opinion itself that is still being considered by the court. So it is unprecedented, and so uh, someone obviously is going to face Uh, if the leak can be found. Uh, It is significant. One other thing I would note is that the chief justice uh, has directed the marshal of the court to conduct the investigation. Uh, He has not referred it to the FBI. So there's no suggestion that this is somehow a criminal offense. But it doesn't take away from the seriousness of this profound breach of the confidential duty. Uh, Chief uh, Justice uh, William Brennan, the great friend of the First Amendment, was uh, fond of saying to his law clerks, "Hey, there's a five-minute rule around here. If you're seen or known to be talking to a reporter, you have five minutes to pack up and get
0: out." <laughs> Probably good advice. Yeah, someone might be packing right now. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Right. It's amazing. We've crossed a lot of Rubicons in the last 20 years. We saw the CIA's crown jewels leaked, uh, uh, the NSA's crown jewels leaked by Snowden. We've seen lies to the FISA court that no one could have imagined 20 years ago. Now this moment where somebody takes the private deliberations of the court, blasts them out there before a final decision. Do the justices ever feel that level of comfort again after this, or is this one of these breaches that has a lasting effect?
2: No, it it will be an enduring uh, effect, and it will of course uh, weigh very heavily, I think, in terms of how the justices uh, uh, assess uh, the character of their uh, of their law clerks. Uh, and by the way, whoever, and I'm assuming it is a law clerk. We don't know that, uh, but if it is, then it's someone who, of course, uh, essentially has a moral contract with. His or her justice to conduct themselves appropriately. And here we just see once again the breakdown of uh, institutions, the breakdown of the basic principles that have bound us uh, together, uh, you know, ties of honor and so forth. So, yes, it's going to affect everything. This is going to be, as Justice Holmes would say, a brooding omnipresence uh, over the court, a <laughs> terrible shadow
0: yeah no it really is it's it's remarkable now let's get into the substance of the draft it appears to have been written by Justice Alito certainly sounds like him when you look at it court seems to not uh, dispute that. What do you think when you look at some of the reasoning in this early draft obviously it could change we know that but what what was your summary of your assessment of the legal underpinnings of the early draft
2: It's very impressive uh, it's a very admirable Justice Alito comprehensive opinion. He takes on every kind of uh, argument. He does not ignore anything. He sweeps nothing under the rug. Uh, And what he concludes is that Roe versus Wade and then Planned Parenthood versus uh, Casey uh, were egregiously wrong. But he doesn't just say that. He explains it in very well-reasoned terms and then he comes to grips with Uh, the issue of should we stay the course, so-called stare decisis, Uh, and he has a remarkable passage with a footnote that goes over for a page, I haven't counted the number of cases yet, where the court has overruled its constitutional decisions, and of course he uses a a great example in Brown versus Board of Education, one of the greatest opinions decisions of the Supreme Court in its history, uh, overruling uh, a, a case that had been on the books for 50 years, Plessy versus Ferguson. He also uses an example of uh, a, the flag salute case from World War II, where the court overruled a decision that had been handed down only three years prior. So longevity doesn't count or freshness doesn't count. What counts is, is the decision wrong? And his dissection of Roe versus Wade. Is just very comprehensive and I think to a fair-minded person should be viewed as yes it's very fair you might disagree with it but it's fair it's well-reasoned and very powerful and one of the things that he makes very clear is Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992 purported to end the debate over abortion well did that succeed of course not so the court really got out of its lane in Roe versus Wade. It was uh, quite wrong. And I'm not talking sure about the policy. I'm talking about the constitutionality of uh, the abortion uh, decision uh, to take it away from the states and the elected representatives and the like, and to say, we're in charge here, a sort of Alexander Haig moment. Uh, and so stop the debate. We have spoken. And this is not the nature of a democratic society. And so he quotes Alexander Hamilton, Federalist 78, that the court is to exercise and to render judgments and not to impose its will. And that's what the reign of abortion jurisprudence has really been for this last almost really half century.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing track record, actually, when you think about it. There's an interesting development. You, uh, Justice Alito and the late Justice Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, actually shared a common belief that the way Roe was constructed they obviously come from different ideological perspectives I'm sure Ruth Bader Ginsburg supported abortion rights Uh, Justice Alito clearly does it but they both agreed I think uh, if I remember correctly Justice uh, Ginsburg wrote that it was a heavy-handed judicial invention that was difficult to justify I think that was one of her things Uh, You can even disagree about the outcome uh, or the uh, policy, but also realize that the way a ruling was constructed was faulty. Do you think any liberals will look honestly at this and say, well, Ginsburg said this too, and and it just was a bad ruling? Do you think there'll be any bipartisanship on this, or do you think it it becomes this divisive issue once again?
2: No, I think everyone is locked into his or her uh, position in terms of how to analyze the abortion issue. Uh, Now, in fairness to Ruth Ginsburg, who did, in fact, uh, criticize in her James Madison lecture at New York University Law School, Roe v. Wade, on the analysis and the reasoning. But she would have justified abortion rights under equality. That's right. And to his credit, uh, the Equal Protection Clause. And, And to his credit, Justice Alito takes that on as well. And whether one's persuaded or not, here's my point. He, in this very thorough draft opinion for the court, we shall see, I think very effectively responds to every uh, argument. He leaves absolutely nothing where you say, well, he didn't take on this issue or that issue, Uh, including the change in circumstances, the change in society, as well as the change in science. that shows that Roe v. Wade had just very, very weak underpinnings, both constitutionally and factually.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's no doubt. I know there's no script for this judge, but the court's been rocked by this. It still has to get this decision out out of the way and give the American public a final thing. Do you have any sense of what the best way is for the court to navigate this so that people trust the final ruling whenever it comes out later this year?
2: Yeah. It's uh, like a sports event, right? It, 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 take baseball. We've had a, a bad game, right? But the team has to stay on the field and get the job done. Uh, and, and happily, they're not coming up against an artificial uh, deadline of we've got to get this out by the end of next week or whatever. Right. They can take their time, absorb this blow, and then just say, we've got to do our job. So it, the the chief justice, I think, not that he needs to play the role of coach it's really saying this is not going to part of his statement is this is not going to affect us so if you thought you were going to affect us whoever you are you're wrong and may that be so
0: yeah that would be the best way for the institution just to keep performing the way it always is intended one last question i know you're busy on the road the one thing you see in the political article is a division all right the five obvious conservative justices appear to be on one side you get the three liberals the Chief Justice doesn't seem to be declared if you believe the political article, which seems to be accurate. Where do you think Justice Chief Justice John Roberts will come down on this?
2: I think from his uh, both his philosophy and his questions and oral argument, and that's an imperfect uh, guide at best, but his philosophy would certainly allow uh, Mississippi to regulate in this area. And he may stay the course in terms of undue burden analysis that all things considered this is not an undue uh, burden with uh, you know, most uh, elective abortions uh, being uh, carried out uh, before the, the 15 weeks, et cetera. Right. Uh, so I think he could stay with existing the Mississippi law. I would be very surprised if he actually came down on the other side. That is to say that Mississippi's law would would fall. So I think there's more likely than not six votes to uphold the Mississippi law. But, of course, the big question is, will Chief Justice Roberts actually join an opinion to overrule Roe v. Wade? It would look right now that he's not prepared at this stage to say yes.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the case. So he's sort of in the middle and upholding the law but avoiding a reversal of Roe v. Wade. The other five seem to be in that camp. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Judge Starr, it's always an honor to have you on this show. You always make complex things sound simple and understandable to all of us. And we're very, very grateful.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for including me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation about the border right after this. committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward in investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they have also helped block a federal takeover of elections. and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just thirty dollars at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC dot us forward slash. and protect your most important asset, the equity, in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Very excited to have this next guest on my show. He just wrote a really powerful op-ed questioning where all the moderate Democrats are in the country. He Himself a former Democrat, now a Republican, Congressman Jeff Van Drew from the great state of New Jersey. Congressman, great to have you on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to be on before we get started on some of the great work you're doing and i want to just ask you about that epic moment last night an extraordinary leak from the united states supreme court on a draft opinion uh, when you heard word of that your, your first impressions uh, so
3: sad for the country so sad for our government sad for america this again in so many ways and this is just one more instance and we have to get to the bottom of this and find out who leaked this out and the history Of the supreme court of the united states of america this has never happened uh and this is somebody using the supreme court and i don't care what side it is liberal conservative whatever it is we've got to get to the bottom of it i have an idea what i think it is but i'm not going to speculate on that but you you just the supreme court is sacrosanct the Supreme Court is sacred and it is, uh, you know, one of our finest institutions. And I can't imagine how the justices must feel. Um, so, I, in fact, I, I, I sent out a release today saying just how disgusted I was with it. And we have to go to any length to find out what law clerk or whomever uh, w- was guilty for doing this because it was wrong. It's trying to influence the political marketplace. Um, by utilizing and misutilizing the sanctity of the Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, we've seen a lot of this in the couple of decades. Uh, we've seen, you know, the Snowden leaks. We've seen the FISA leaks with Carter Page. We've seen almost every institution be undercut by people who decide that their political interest is more important than the institution or the government or America's interest. Have we reached a cultural point where people no longer care about the sanctity of government? How do we change that culture if if, if we've reached that point? Well,
3: to some degree we have. And the way that we change it is by getting people in office who really do care and want to restore the sanctity of America. Every day that I speak at a group. It could be a bipartisan group or a Republican group or whatever group it is, a chamber of commerce. I I, I talk about American exceptionalism and Americanism. And um, it's so important. It's so important to realize what an amazing, unbelievably great country we have. And, you know, we constantly hear about the shining city on the hill. Well, it it loses its shine when we do things like this. So we need good people that uh, the average person can emulate and and believe in that are honest and truthful and that care about the country and, you know, most of all want to do the right thing. Um, When you have leaders like that, we need strong leaders. So right now, for example, I I can only say why some people, you know, would be unhappy with what's going on in America. So they they see that the border is wide open, and I know I'm moving to another subject, but yeah, it's that was an important necessary. subject. Yeah, and and they see that they're being told, in instances, that the the president is fighting that they still have to wear masks when on airplanes, even though a judge has said no, you don't uh and that the cdc didn't have the right to say and do what they did but that we're really pushing for just average americans going to an airport getting on a plane but we have no problem with people coming across the border from god knows where they're not even they're not all from mexico they're not even all from that area of the world with god knows what diseases sometimes some of them are terrorists some of them are criminal some of them are involved with the drug cartel. Some of them are abusing the poor kids and women that are coming across at the same time, raping them, beating them, etc. And that's okay. And that's okay that they haven't had COVID tests. And they come into the country and we scatter them again, God knows where, uh, sometimes in the middle of the night. Now, you cannot conduct America's government that way and get respect, I believe, from the majority of America's people. That's just one example of many the supply chain giving up our dominant position in energy, which we had Uh, the fact that uh, across our cities now across the country, that crime has increased to such a degree. And you know what? Now they don't want to admit the Democrats are trying to, you know, wiggle their way out of, you know, defunding the police. The bottom line is they did want to defund the police. There are many that still do. And calling it reimagining or whatever they want to do, uh, you know. (laughs) They're not going to fool the American people, are they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the
0: American people are way smarter than that. They are. You had... I thought, sir, one of the most important op-eds of the year, uh, just a few days ago, asking the, the really profound question, which is, are there any moderate Democrats left? Where are the moderate Democrats? Where are the Democrats that used to represent the working class, that used to represent the people that live in the cities that are now overrun by crime or inflation? Tell me, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write that and the concern behind it. What what are you seeing this leftward drift of the Democratic Party seems to be disconnecting Democrats from real America?
2: Oh, it
3: is. I mean, people don't people don't believe that in second grade, that your children should learn uh, about sex changes and all kinds of things that are just Something that's not appropriate in school. People are concerned that, and this is these are all dem- left wing democratic policies that we, you know, are at a point in time now where our energy production is reduced. Therefore, instead of producing our own energy, even fossil fuel, which is cleaner than the other fossil fuels that are out there from the other countries, no, we've decided. And when I say we, the Democrats decided. The majority and this president that it was better to go to Venezuela better to go to the OPEC in the East, better to go to Russia we were still getting you know oil from Russia I think if, if that was you know obviously people knew that we were but right. I, I bet you Biden would still be doing it if it wasn't revealed yeah. so we literally went from number one the dominant energy influence strong America to now we're on our knees and we're on our knees in so many ways we're on our knees to China you know, when uh, when when China just tells us basically and, and literally did some of their staff and ambassadors said that, you know, you are a weak, uh, a weak country that literally tell people that, you know, represent the United States of America statements like that. So how, how can you expect a connect between the people of the United States of America, most of them, and, and this government that the Democrats have put together? I meet people every single day that are Democrats or were Democrats, but are going to be voting Republican every day, yeah. every day. I uh, The last conversation I had last night, I had to go out and get something to eat with uh, one of my staff people. And I was walking out and there were two ladies there and they just came up to me, said, hello, they were very nice. And they said, by the way, we used to be Democrats like you were. And they said, we just can't do it anymore. This is not the party again that we knew. And it's not. So what I want to know, though, is, and and I try to point out in that editorial, so now we've got, you know, 40, 50, you know, Democrats or more that are saying, yes, they, they believe that we should keep Title 42 as well. And, you know, they're pushing for it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm glad. Number one, I'm glad because you take whatever you get. Right. You know, but but number two, where the hell were you? months and months and months and months ago when all this stuff was happening. It's not just Title 42, and it's just not the, uh, you know, ex- expediting them immediately back, which is something else they're going to get rid of, back to the country they came from, or the, or the you know, stay Mexico policy, or working with the Northern Triangle to make sure that there were places for these people. There's many things. There were many things, including building the wall, that our last president was doing and the last administration was doing that we're not doing now. So, you know, okay, so Title 42, you're upset and ex- excited about it because that's really going to increase the numbers like we've never seen before. And you know what? They know when election's coming. And that's not the way to make public policy. Do the right thing from the beginning. You know, when I was a Democrat and the Democrats were wrong, and that was a good deal of time, and it, it occurred more and more as, as time went along, I spoke out. I spoke out, you, did. you know, and I, and, and, and I was proud to do it because I knew what I thought was right and was wrong. And, you know, somebody was, uh, speaking, uh, who was an assemblyman and said, they, they, they were introducing me somewhere and they said, you know, I remember this guy years ago when he was a Democrat and we had a Republican governor, Christie, and he, he gave a speech and of course the Democrats all sat and the Republicans all stood up. But one part of the speech was real important to me. We're taxed death in new jersey and he talked about how it had to stop how we had to start controlling budgets how we had to stop spending the way we were and we had to stop taxing the way we were well hell, i got up and
0: clapped because that's right <laughs> that's correct yeah that's why well, right. more it's, americans want to hear that too they do yep yeah, absolutely it's amazing so that's what my editorial
3: was about it was just saying where were you yeah I mean it, it, yeah there's an election coming, and after the election comes, if you were to maintain the majority, which they will not, you're just going to go back to doing what you were doing. How can you say you're a moderate and go along with all this stuff
0: yeah, it's such a moment to call out people and to remind them that they got in this business not to support a party but to support a country first and I think your op ed did such a great job at at uh, reminding people of that of that responsibility. It's been two years since you made the flip. Uh, you look back. Any regrets? Are you happy where you are?
3: Very happy. Yeah. Very happy. Uh, uh, I have to say to my Republican colleagues that they have all welcomed me with open arms. They've been great. Um, and I, you know, say what I believe. And, you know, the, the, hey, I guess this is the reality. It's, it's kind of a funny story. They're um, not this last Senate president, but the one before, Cody, who was... Senate president and governor at the same time for right. a little while. He used to get mad at me and he'd say, you know, I don't know why the hell you're a Democrat when I was a Democrat. <laughs> you're always pushing Republican ideas, blah, blah. You want to just become a Republican. So, you know, I, I just laughed and right. and that was the end of it. And I saw him relatively recently and he said – I can't believe what you did. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you actually became, you you changed over to, you know, trying to make it out to be a bad thing. I said, hey, you were the one that told me to do it. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> I guess the point is that I'm real happy. Uh, you know, I, I share similar philosophies in so many different things. And um, as I said, they treated me very, very well. And a lot of Democrats, you know, are accepting of it you know as far as in the legislature and there are a few that aren't and the few that aren't that's too bad
0: yeah no there's no doubt not only are the republicans in the establishment your own district embraced you because you won re-election after switching parties and that says something about the people in your own district that support what you did
3: i I love the people in my district and remember i had about three million dollars a person i ran against amy kennedy ted kennedy's order in law had yep. 13 million with the ies and we still won and we weren't even in the margin of error so it shows people really can think about what they're doing if you give them the information if you fight for them and stand up for them
0: yeah there's no doubt about it i want to take you to one other place that i know you've been a big advocate of i've heard this from other republicans um, it's important for you not, for the republicans not only to say what they're against in the biden Democratic agenda, but to also have a positive plan for America. Do you feel good that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are going to be able to do some form of a contract, a commitment that tells Americans we're not only against this, here's what we do if you give us the gavel and we're in charge?
3: Absolutely, because you just undo a lot of it is undoing the things that they did. So yes, you do build the wall. Yes, you do have borders. Yes, you do make agreements with these other countries to hold these people back and stop the flow of folks in. Yes, you do support our police and make sure they're getting what they need and that we're not reimagining them, that we're not taking away, you know, qualified immunity, that we're not hurting them. Yes, you no, you don't wokeify. You promise not to wokeify our military services and make sure that they are also getting what they need. Let me tell you, Ronald Reagan said and it's always true and I always quote it and I always will, that no country is ever attacked because it's too strong. We need a strong America in every way. We need a strong America in energy. Uh, I, I have no problems with you know renewables and non-fossil fuels, but you know the real truth is, and Elon Musk said it the other the other day, and he's somebody that's obviously into you know electric cars and so forth. He said, but you can't do it all immediately. And we're always going to need, for quite a while, fossil fuels. And here's from somebody who's really on that side. They're pretending that they're going to do this in a few years, but meanwhile, run up all the costs like crazy.
0: They are. And listen, we've only moved the uh, reliance on, uh, after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, some people put it at a trillion dollars of federal investment. We've only moved the fossil fuel consumption down 2% worldwide. We could clearly, it's going to be here for a while and we, we should have a better plan than just keep spending money at something that's not going to happen short term. And I think you, you've you been very common sense on that and arguing that. Last question, because I, I I saw you do this last week, I think there's been a lot of embracing of this concept. You, uh, you, you stepped up last week and suggested that Secretary, Homeland Secretary Mayorkas, stepped down. There's a lot of good reasons, right? There's the border. There's also this disinformation office. What's your perception of his role as a cabinet secretary? And would you support impeaching him next year if Republicans had the gavel? I
3: I don't like impeachments, but I would support impeaching him. Uh, He has been so weak, so feckless, and has lied so much. Uh, I've never seen somebody who just has sort of that blank stare and speaks to you, uh, w- I'd say with you, but really doesn't, yeah. and just doesn't tell the truth. I mean, uh, and, and and misstates the obvious. I mean, you ask him, do you think there's any problem at the border? And he says, not really. Uh, what, what, the heck? Again, <laughs> what does that mean? Guys, <laughs> yeah. What does he talking about? What does that mean? And, that, and now we have a disinformation czar. So really, the people who were putting out the disinformation are actually the ones creating this post. And these people want to make sure that we don't get the right information. So in some cases, you know, where people want to say something, just even average people, whether it's presidents or whether it's just folks on the street, we're going to have a board that is going to be run by the government that is going to decide uh, whether it's disinformation or not and tell people what to do. People can figure this stuff out. That's we right. don't need some big governmental board that also is costing us a lot of money to tell us what to do, how to lead our lives, and what to think. I mean, now we're really, you know, I never thought there'd be a day where realistically you could say it's almost like we're getting to be communist but it, it almost is. Um, it, you know, I, I remember the famous story when. Eisenhower, this is going way back, but when Khrushchev said to him, your children's children's grandchildren will be under communist rule. So let's make sure that that prediction does not come true.
0: Yeah, such an important goal to aspire to. Sir, it's such an honor to have you on. I always enjoy the conversation and all the work you're doing in Congress. You're always making a difference and for that, we're very grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, It's a great honor to have you on, sir. Thank you very much. You take care. Bye-bye. You as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day.
1: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Wow, two amazing interviews. Big thanks to Judge Starr. Big thanks to Congressman Van Drew, two people that have made a lot of history, who speak their mind, who are candid, who bring to interviews like this news and facts that you can take and understand yourself and digest. And we're always, always grateful for that. Really excited about that. Now, before we go, we have had a lot of conversations on this show about the state of the economy, about the state of the stock market. We are in stagflation, folks. We said it months ago. We told you months ago that this was headed in that direction. We had great guests on here who warned us about that on a daily basis. We feel very good that we were giving you solid information. So many of the predictions on this podcast have come true. Philip Patrick, who's on here often was probably the leading edge. He's from Birch Gold Group, one of our partners. He gave you the skinny early and smartly and wisely. He was right. He said, we're going to go inflation long-term, not transitory. He's right about that. Two, interest rates would have to go up reactively. He was right about that. Three, the economy would go in reversal and we would see stagflation. And that just happened in the economic report released a few days ago. Well, our good friends at Birch Gold, where Philip works and who does all that great work. Well, they've got an offer for you. Why? Because they want to give you an opportunity to learn on how you can turn to precious metals, gold and silver particularly, and find a way to protect your retirement, protect your 401k, protect your IRA. There are qualified IRAs and 401ks that you can now invest in gold, stabilize your portfolio and a free falling stock market. And it's really simple. There is a Zero obligation info kit that Birch Gold put together. I love it. I use it. I got it myself. I've educated myself. I'm a lot smarter because of it. Here's how you get it. All you gotta do is text the words just news, one word. Text the word just news to nine eight nine eight nine eight. That's really simple, right? Just news to nine eight nine eight nine eight. And our good friends at Birch Gold Group will send you a info kit on how you can convert to a tax sheltered retirement account that invests in gold and silver it's very simple it's educational whether you do it or not getting the book and knowing that it's an option is a great education here's what you got to do it's very simple just text the word just news to 989898 and you'll be up and running in no time learning about this incredible opportunity to bring precious metals into your retirement portfolio we love having birch gold group on i think we're just a few days away from having Philip Patrick back on and doing another analysis of where we are in the economy. But in the meantime, get that bucket's It's a tremendous learning experience. I didn't know there were options in our 401k and IRAs for this very investment. So a really good deal. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. A busy, exciting day. Big thanks to our guests, Judge Ken Starr. And of course, Congressman Jeff Van Drew, you have a great night. Check out our TV show tonight. We've got a lot of great guests, including Senator Ron Johnson will be on. That'll make some news. You know that well. But until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. And thank you for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite.